Ezra chapter number 10. I warned you in Sunday school that we were going to change things up a little bit. So, uh, surprise, I'm preaching tonight. So, uh, we're going to be going through the book of Ezra. We'll be looking at different things, and uh, uh, hopefully you'll get something out of it. And hopefully, uh, again, it'll give you a better understanding. But tonight we'll be in Ezra chapter number 7 this evening. Ezra chapter number 7. And I've been praying about what to do, what to deliver, what to bring. Again, a new study, a new thought, new ideas. There's a variety of things that can go through your mind and make you uh, question and wonder, okay, which direction does the Lord want me to go? And as I continue to pray, this is where the Lord continually brought my mind to uh, this book. I want our Sunday night service to be one that can uh, be a time of learning, but also a time of conviction. Again, as we look at, oftentimes in churches, the Sunday night crowd is probably the more uh, focused group. It's the more devoted group, maybe to the Word of God. Not always, but uh, most times. So with that, oftentimes, since we're here so frequently, or we've done studies, we've gone through the Bible, um, sometimes we get, uh, I don't want to use the word lackadaisical, but we get to the point where, okay, I've heard that one before. I've, I've studied this before. I, I've looked at that before, and we kind of pass it off as, eh, but we are the ones that uh, need to be challenged, I think, a little bit more at times. We need to, to have something pushed to us to where we can continue to excel, continue to, to seek God's word uh, and understanding and study more of it. So tonight, uh, we're going to begin looking at the book of Ezra. And I want to bring just the theme verse. Uh, Ezra chapter 7 and verse number 10 is the theme verse for the book of Ezra. So that's where I want to begin, just to give you the theme tonight. We'll be looking at five different things uh, found from this verse. But from there, we'll go back and we'll start in, in chapter number one in a couple weeks. Next week, again, we're going to be a little bit different, just the uh, preaching, prayer, praise, and pie. Too many P's in there. Too, preaching. We're going to have some pie anyway. So uh, that's all that matters, right? <laughs> no, we'll have some preaching. We'll have a time of praise. So again, bring your praises. We love to hear praises. I know we do this frequently, but uh, again, we want to just have a special time with that next week. Uh, and then after that, we'll get back into the book of Ezra. But tonight, as we're here, uh, introducing the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter number 10, or excuse me, chapter 7, verse 10. Uh, let's look at that. Ezra chapter 7, verse number 10, the Bible says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. In this one verse... I want us to identify five aspects of who Ezra was and what we need to do as we look at this verse and apply it to where we are today. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into this verse this evening. Lord, again, we do love you. We thank you for the time tonight that we can come together. Thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to be able to freely meet together, to worship you, to lift you up. More, more importantly, Lord, that we can learn more about you. I pray that you'd help us as we go through this book. Lord, that uh, again... It's not one that people are familiar with. It's not one that we started frequently. But Lord, help us to draw from it. Help us to not just to be hearers of the word, but doers. And then apply what it is that we hear. Direct and guide us tonight and help us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First, let's lay down some groundwork. Anytime you open up a new book, anytime you start a new study, you've got to lay down some groundwork so people can understand it, and you're not just off in la-la land trying to figure some things out. So here in the book of Ezra, again, it's, it's one that we don't study that frequently. It's not one that we go to and say, well, I was in the book of Ezra. It's kind of like going through Ecclesiastes, which is what I'm reading through now, and uh, it's just not one of the familiar books, like the book of Psalms or maybe the Gospels. So there's some things that we need to understand when looking at the book of Ezra. 
Uh, I believe that the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, many people look at that as uh, used to be one book. If you go back to uh, the book of Hebrew or in the, in the original Hebrew writings, this was one book. Can you imagine Ezra and Nehemiah together as one book? And as time went on, they decided to, somebody, I don't know who it was, decided to divide it, uh, I guess probably for a little bit of clarification and things like that. But uh, again, uh, Ezra was a very, very important book as the nation of Israel was coming out of that Babylonian captivity. We can also look at uh, the book of Chronicles. First and second Chronicles relate to the book of Ezra. Often people believe that it was the same author that Ezra wrote uh, this book as well as the Chronicles. If you were to go back and look at the end of Second Chronicles, the very last few verses in that book you'll find are mimicked word for word in the first chapter of the book of Ezra. So that's why a lot of people believe that it was from the same author. And before you start flipping the check, check after church, okay? <laughs> but they're the same words, almost identical word for word in the end of Second Chronicles as well as the beginning of Ezra. So when we study this book of the Bible, there's some questions that we have to ask ourselves. I know a lot of times people will ask questions, and I've seen other people ask things and this, that, and the other. Uh, when you study the Word of God, you've got to understand context. There's oftentimes we may take something from the Old Testament and say, well, you know, doesn't the Bible say that we're to do this or to do that or it says this? Yes, there are some things that are in dis different dispensations, different ages, if you would. Uh, the Old Testament age was much different than what we consider the church age today. Uh, we don't follow the law. Uh, we don't have to worry about not eating pork. Praise God. Amen. I can have some bacon. It's not against the law. So, uh, again, we've got to understand context of what we're reading and what we're studying. So there's some questions we need to ask. There's some things that we need to uh, bring up before we really get into this study. We're given many different names as leaders and other men that uh, took place in this writings. There are two separate periods that are directed from this book. Uh, again, after the 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Chapters 1 through 6 covers the return of the Jews with Zerubbabel as the leader. Again, we can see that it was 23 years, beginning with the edict of Cyrus, the king of Persia, and ended at the building of the temple in Jerusalem around 538 to 515 B.C. So that kind of gives you a time frame of, of when this was taking place. And chapter 7 through 10... Uh, picks up 60 years later. So there's a big gap in the middle of this book. This is where Ezra was leading the second group of exiled Jews to Israel back in 458 B.C. That's the rough time frame that we have here. Another question to look at that you may want to ask is uh, who wrote this book? And that's what we're going to deal with tonight mainly is who is it? Who is the person that wrote this book? So number one tonight is the person. That's where we must start. Uh, who is Ezra? We look here, again, we can find the first five verses that he was from the lineage of Aaron, the high priest. So that kind of tells you a little bit of who he was and what he was doing. He was probably a well-versed uh, scribe, if you would, of the law of Moses. He was one that understood the scriptures. He was able to read it and to gather that information. But look in Ezra chapter 7 and verse number 6. It says, then Ezra went up from Babylon and was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his request according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. So again, we find here it's very important that it, it identifies who he was. He was a scribe. He had, uh, was following the Lord and, and doing everything he could. Again, being blessed with the king as he granted him anything that he requested. 
So again, it's important that we find that, that who he is. That's the type of man that he is. We also find that he was a man of prayer. Look over in Ezra chapter 10 and verse number 1. We'll be flipping around in a couple different chapters tonight. But Ezra chapter 10 and verse number 1. <clears throat> Ezra chapter 10 verse number 1 says, Now when Ezra had prayed, and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of, the Israel, out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. So we find here he's a man of prayer. Now, oftentimes we look at that and we say, yeah, uh, we've seen other people that just pray. But again, this is indicating his character. He was a man of prayer. Ezra devoted time to God through prayer, just as we need to do. This is more than just the quiet time of going into your prayer closet. Uh, but it says that here he was, uh, he was um, weeping. He was throwing himself down. He was distressed of what was going on in the nation of Israel. It affected his everyday life. I would dare say there's probably many of us here that have situations that we are concerned about. There's some things that maybe that's on our heart that we are concerned with others or with our situation, whatever the case. How often do we take time to truly get on our knees and get on our face before God? Do we wail? Do we put ourselves down uh, again, lowering ourselves and exalting God as we're seeking Him in the way that He wants us to go? I think too many times today we become uh, so content with just bowing our head a little bit and saying a little prayer, and that's about the extent of it. We need to continue seek, seeking God and His will. And that's exactly what Ezra was doing. He was trying to get a hold of God, trying to get some answers from the Lord. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse number 1, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. We should have a, a very faithful prayer life, a life that is very consistent. Uh, <clears throat> again, it should be just like we eat. How many people like to eat? Uh, we don't have to raise our hand because I know we all like to do that. Amen. We're talking about pie next week. Woo, I look forward to that. But that's what prayer should be in our life. It should be just like eating. It should be just like us going to sleep. It should be just like us looking in the mirror. And I would dare say we probably all looked in the mirror this morning, uh, this afternoon, and, and fixed our hair, made sure it was nice and flat and everything else. That's the way prayer needs to be in our life. But too many times I think we just kind of bow our head and say a little prayer, and that's about it. If you want an answer from God, you need to truly seek Him. That's what we talked about this morning. Again, being on that road to revival, we've got to seek God. That has to be number one in our lives. But this is an example that we have saw uh, just in his life, but there's others we could look at as well. People like Hannah. Esther, David, Daniel, all these other examples of people that prayed and got a hold of God, that were seeking Him for answers. There's other examples even outside of the Word of God that we could look at. We think of men like John Wesley, who spent two hours a day praying. Two hours. Sweet hour of prayer is a song we've seen frequently, but could we spend an hour in prayer? There's probably not many people that would actually spend that much time in prayer. Think of George Mueller. Again, he ran orphanages across England with prayer. It wasn't about getting money. It wasn't seeking this or that. He did it through prayer. When we can't find the answers we need, we must seek God through prayer. But not only through prayer, but through fasting, through our Bible study. Again, getting a hold of God. And that's what we find here in, in Ezra's life. Again, he was a man that was wanting God. He wanted to, to find God. He had uh, an idea of prayer, getting hold of God, but he also had a passion. 
Look with me at Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 and 23. Ezra chapter 8, verse number 21 says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Aheva, and we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. Look down at verse 23. So we fasted and besought our, Lord, our God for this, and he was entreating of us. His passion involved more than just prayer. It was more than just saying something. It involved action. You know, I think a lot of times we, we say we pray, we, we want God, but we're not going to do anything to involve any type of action to do anything about it. That's the idea of fasting. You're really wanting to get a hold of God. You're wanting an answer. You're seeking God. Not only that, you're sacrificing your own want, your own desire of those things you want so God can speak to you, so God can direct you. Our society today needs to see God's people live a life that is real. God needs to be real in our life so we can show that to other people. There's a lot of fake Christians out there today. There's a lot of people that are talking the talk but are not walking the walk. This idea of fasting is important. It's, it's an old-fashioned thing that, that we don't do anymore. Again, uh, we don't do that. Uh, uh, I don't want to sacrifice what I like and what I want. Uh, do you really want to get a, God's answer? That's one way of doing it. We push that off. We no longer do that. We don't want to sacrifice our fleshly desires to get God's answer. Again, too many people have been inconvenienced by that. But that's exactly what Scripture tells us to do. We see that again. Uh, it's not been erased out of your Bible. It's not something that's been put away. We are to continue to fast and seek God. So again, it's an idea of having a passion. I want God. I want his direction in my life. I want to be brought to, closer to him. And that's through this idea of prayer. And then having a, a right kind of passion for the Lord. But we also find that Ezra was a preacher. He was a preacher. Look over at Nehemiah chapter number 8. Nehemiah chapter number 8. These books go together and help us get a better understanding. We went through the book of Nehemiah a few years ago. But Nehemiah chapter 8, look at verses 5 and 6. Nehemiah chapter number 8, beginning at verse number 5, the Bible says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. And lifted up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Again, so we find here that Ezra was a proclaimer. He was a preacher. He was uh, proclaiming God's word to all the people. This is an example that we need to be doing as well as believers. Not saying we get up here behind the pulpit and preach, but we are to proclaim, as a preacher does, the word of God. We can do that through our actions. We can do that through our words. We can do that through our witness, as we talked about in Sunday school. So there's a variety of ways that we can become that proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ. Again, this is what God has called each and every one of us to do, is to be that witness, is to share God's message with one another and other people who don't know it. So this is important that we find this person, this man Ezra. He had an idea of devoting time to prayer. 
He had a, a passion that was focused on God, and he was a preacher proclaiming the good news. Number two this morning that I want you to, or tonight, it's not this morning, it's tonight already. Number two tonight is he prepared through purification. He was prepared through purification. A lot of peas tonight. Look with me at Ezra chapter 7 and verse number 10 again. And Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Again, as Ezra accepted the calling of God, he understood the importance of cleansing himself. This was not just a physical cleansing or a symbolic cleansing as the priest had done, as he has watched probably many times happen, but it was an inward cleansing of his heart to God. And that's what we need to make sure that we're trying to do. It's important that we take time to confess our sins, to get things made right with God, to prepare ourselves to receive what God has for us. Could you imagine coming to church and the speaker not being prepared. Well, I'm just going to wing it and just kind of flip it open and go, oh, let's do that one. Wouldn't be very fair to you, would it? Say, wait a minute, I've given my time to come here tonight to hear something. He should at least be prepared. He should be. But that goes the same in both directions. We need to come and be prepared to receive what God has for us. We need to prepare our hearts uh, again to receive the word of God. Just as the ground needs to be broken before it can be planted, we must prepare our hearts to receive his word as we study scripture and as we seek the Lord. When was the last time you asked God to break up the fallow ground in your heart as the prophet Hosea had mentioned? Break up that fallow ground so we can receive the seed, so we can receive what God has for us. Uh, again, that should begin the night before, the day before, the, the few days before. That's something we need to make sure we're doing. We shouldn't just come to church and pray, Oh, Lord, give me something tonight, or, or, or fill me with your spirit, or show me what I need tonight. That needs to happen prior to coming. That needs to happen last night. That needs to happen on Friday night, on Thursday night. Lord, prepare me for what is to come. Because I pray, Lord, prepare me that I can deliver your message. Because, see, I read this all week. I read this two or three times. I get it over and over and over again. You guys only get it once. So you got to make sure, Lord, prepare me. Help me to get what I need as I'm going through the week. Because this is what's going to help me. This is what's going to fuel me to get through until I have time to read my Bible. Until I have time to study. Too many believers expect God to bless them when they only give the very least. Lord, give me your very best. Lord, fill me up. Give me everything you've got, but I'm only going to give you that one little bit. I'm going to give you that five minutes a day. I'm going to give you that once a week coming to church. But Lord, I want your very best. We dwell in the, on the mentality that once we're saved, that's all we have to do. And we understand that salvation is, is, is once and we don't have to worry about it. We can't lose it. Those things. But yes, we need to think beyond that. Are we living daily for the Lord? Are we trying to follow him with every decision, every step in our life? It's more than just coming to church. It's more than just saying, hey, I'm saved. It's an everyday, every decision type of mentality that we need to have in our lives. And Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 says, given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. 
This principle is repeated throughout Scripture. What we give to God, he will give back to us the same way. It's called the law of the harvest. I know we've looked at this before. We've studied that. And the importance of it is what we give to God, he's going to give back to us the same way. But just like the law of the harvest, it can be multiplied. And it will be multiplied. But we've got to make sure we're giving our best, giving our all to God. And not that we expect anything in return, but we will be blessed. As we prepare ourselves through prayer, as we looked at before, as we understand this principle of, of the law of the harvest, we can also uh, think about how much time we spend in the Word of God. How important is the Word of God to you? You know, I asked the question this morning, looking at David, as we looked at Psalms 119, think about how much of the Word of God he had compared to what we have today. We have the complete, perfect Word of God in our laps, in our hands. But how much do we love it? How much do we enjoy having God's love letter? Do we even study our Bible? Do we take time to read it? You know, there's many people that say, well, uh, yeah, I read my Bible. But there's a difference between reading it and studying it. We need to make sure we're studying the Word of God. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Study to show thyself approved unto God. There's a big difference between the two. And there's benefits with that. Prayer and Bible study are two of the more familiar ones that are easier to look at. Again, we understand that. But what about our confessions? Nobody likes that. Nobody likes confessing that because then we have to admit that we were wrong in something. But again, that's important that we have that time of confessing to God, asking for his forgiveness. And I'm thankful that he is faithful to forgive us. He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. And to forgive us for all of unrighteousness. But there are blessings when it comes with that. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 says. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaken them shall have mercy. I don't know about you but I want God's mercy. I want God's blessings. I want to prosper in his will and his way. But in order to do that I've got to make sure that my relationship is right with him. We've got to confess those things, get those things made right. Ezra prepared his heart. Then we find number three this morning, he peered into the God's law. He peered into God's law. As we look back at our text verse again, Ezra chapter 7, verse number 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. After Ezra prepared his heart, he didn't just sit back and expect God to reveal everything to him. Lord, uh, hey, I'm, I'm clean, I'm ready, okay, give it to me. That's kind of how we are sometimes. Hey, I've done my little bit of a part. All right, Lord, it's your turn. Bless me, give me everything. Give me all the knowledge, all the understanding, so on and so forth. But it doesn't happen that way. We've got to take time to get in the Word of God. We've got to take time to look at it, to study it, and see what God has for us. How often do we seek the Word of God for the answers that we need on a daily basis? Sure, we read the Bible, and we may look at it for a historical fact, and, and we may find some inspiration from certain parts of certain books. But why not give God a chance to give us the answers for the problems that we have on a daily basis? Too many times, I think, we try to go through life, we try to answer things for ourselves that we don't go to God and ask Him to help us. But that's exactly what He wants to do. Psalms 46.1 is a very familiar passage. God is our refuge and strength and very present help in trouble. 
when we're going through those problems, when we're dealing with them, that's when God wants to be there to help us. God knows our trials and our troubles. He knows them when they come along, and, and we must allow him to help us. We look into his word. We draw the answers from them, what, he, what we need, and he is there to faithfully give it to us. The psalmist said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But too many times we don't want to go to the word of God to get that light. We must never quit searching the scriptures. It's the living word of God. And as Paul told Timothy, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So you want the answers? You want the help? You want the, the correction, the direction that you need? It's in the word of God. This is why we've got to get back in it. We've got to study it. We've got to uh, allow it to help us change our lives that we can get the answers we need. Preparing and peering are no good unless we plan to perform what God commands. So that's number four tonight is to perform. Notice in our text it says to do it. It doesn't say get all the information, all the knowledge we can and just sit there and say I'm done. It says that we need to do it. I believe we all want to know more of God's word and draw closer to him. But to many, it's just a desire. It's never an action. And that's where the big problem lies. We want to see our church grow. We want, we're desiring to see more souls saved. But what are we doing to further the cause of Christ? What are we doing to help that area in our church? Ezra didn't stop with just the preparation aspect of his life. He continued to do what God wanted him to do. James chapter 1 and verse 22 is a very familiar passage. Be you doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own self. So again, we get the mindset of, well, I, I've done this in the past. Or, you know, I used to do this or uh, whatever the case may be. Never thinking, what am I doing today? Granted, you may not be able to do those things that you used to do. But there's something we can do today. There's something that God wants us to do right now. In the famous slowing of the Nike Corporation, just do it. Simple as that. Well, you don't understand. I do understand. There's something that God has for you to do today. You may not be able to, to run with the teenagers or the, the toddlers or anybody else, but there's things you can do today that will benefit and help the cause of Christ. We have talents and abilities. We have ways that we can be used for the glory and honor of God. No, you may not be a musician. You may not be able to teach. You may not be able to preach. But God has something for you to do. You can be a witness. And we all need to be a witness. You can take the tracks off the back wall and hand them out. You can take the door hangers and go put them up around your neighborhood. There's a variety of things that you can do. We could all be prayer warriors. You may not be able to walk the streets. And you may not be able to hand out things or talk with people. But you can pray. How many times do we stop and pray? How often do we take time to pray for those in our church? How often do we take time to, to take out our prayer sheet and pray over the things that people have shared with us? Again, Galatians 6.2 tells us that we are to bear one another's burdens. We should be praying for one another as they bring the prayer requests, as they mention certain things in their life that they're struggling with, or they have friends or loved ones, whatever the case. But are we taking time to pray? So there's a variety of things that we can do. There's some things that we can get a hold of. There's some things that we can allow to be a part of our life if we would simply just be obedient and follow God. Again, these are just a couple things that were mentioned. 
There may be some other things that may come to your heart and mind that God wants to direct you to do. But we must be faithful to what God has for us, to be that doer of his work. The final aspect that I want you to see is to profess. To profess. The last part of, the, of our text says, to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. What good is it to have all the knowledge and do nothing with it? Ezra felt it was important to prepare his heart, to seek the law of the Lord, and to follow through with what God had given him. God has given us all his perfect word. Each one of us probably have two or three Bibles, either uh, in our homes and in other places. Uh, you've got them on your phone and everywhere else nowadays. We have more access to the word of God than we have in any time in history. But yet, how much time are we spending in it? Again, we ask the Lord to show us. We want his direction. We want his will for our lives. But what are we doing with what we have? Are we faithfully studying? Are we looking at it, trying to draw the information that we need out of it to answer the questions that we may be dealing with, the situations, the trials, the troubles? We've got to get back to not just studying it, but applying it and performing what God has for us. Are these things that you feel are important to your life? Are these areas something that you can look at your life and say, yes, I'm doing those things? This is what Ezra desired for the nation of Israel. This is what he wanted them to know. And it's still applicable for us today. We've got to take time to prepare ourselves. Think about the person and who we are. Do we have that passion? Do we pray? Are we performing what God wants us to do. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads tonight and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Ask yourself, what kind of person am I? Do I pray? Do I have a passion for the things of God? Do I take each day and prepare myself to receive the message that God has for me? Too many times I think we just open up our Bible and just begin to read, not expecting God to give us anything, but he has something for us.